0: This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now, from Studio B, or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi
1: everybody, welcome into the Black and Blue Report as we start a new week here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. Greetings from Studio B on Airline Drive at the headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans. I'm a little overwhelmed on this Monday. First of all, the weather here in the Gulf South on this Monday morning, uh, th- if that's not enough to, I guess, get your attention to start the week, I don't know what is, but at least on the sports world side, that's where I'm overwhelmed. Welcome into maybe, maybe one of the most uh, exciting weeks of the year in sports uh, as you as you kind of get your Monday and your work week going, you've got so much on your mind sports wise. Looking back at last week and looking ahead to this week, maybe you are like me too and, and uh, and you don't know where to start. <laughs> we're going to help. We're going to try and get some of that taken care of today. And it's a conversation that we're going to take with us all the way through the week. But obviously here on this Monday, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament start, or finishes up tonight with the men's championship. What a weekend for the ladies as UConn's win streak ended. And then as, as it's happened before, the team that beats UConn then ends up losing their next game. And that's what happened to Mississippi State. So congratulations to South Carolina. So a big weekend for the ladies. Uh, and also for the LPGA Tour. Congratulations! Congratulations, LPGA and PGA of America. You took a, a women's major, the Dinosaur over the weekend, and turned it into a topic of conversation here on this Monday because of what happened to Lexi Thompson, and uh, as some would call it, a narc or a, an outside viewer uh, emailing, calling in, trying to set th- something right, and it made for a mess, and it was embarrassing. So you have that. And then, of course... We've got the Pelicans into their final nine days of the regular season, and the Masters starting up this week. Oh, and one more thing. Major League Baseball opened up yesterday and has a full day of games here on this Monday as well. So look, there's the list. Are you not overwhelmed, but in a good way? Yes. Now we're all on the same page. So we're going to talk a little bit about that golf situation, (laughs) and we'll also preview the Masters, which begins later in the week at Augusta with our good friend, uh, uh, Brian Manzella, who is a teaching pro at based out of English turn, he's a world-renowned, uh, and he will help us preview the Masters and also perhaps comment a little bit about the Lexi Thompson situation. Uh, the Pelicans side of things, will uh, focus in on the Denver Nuggets, seeing as New Orleans will play the Denver Nuggets twice this week, and that makes for three times in the last two weeks of the regular season. Unfortunately, the Pelicans lost last night uh, against a surging Chicago Bulls team it ended a six-game uh, winning streak at home for New Orleans. They're still a two-and-one, excuse me, yeah, two-and-one on the on the current home stand, and will wrap up uh, their home schedule tomorrow night against the Denver Nuggets. Playoff chances all but now shot. Uh, Portland wins tonight. They play Minnesota. Uh, the Pelicans are out, so that that would be the case with with five games to go. So let's let's hope for Minnesota pulling one off. Uh, Tonight, over the Blazers, and then the Pelicans uh, will, uh, of course, headline a lot of things tomorrow in that head-to-head matchup with the Denver Nuggets. So, to help us preview the two matchups with Denver and talk about the Nuggets' end of the playoff situation, Chris Dempsey from Altitude Sports with us on this Monday as well. And then we'll wrap up this Monday on a high note, as our good friend Jarius Robertson is uh, stopping by. It's the final installment of the Jarius interviews, as today... Uh, we listened into his conversation with former LSU Tiger safety Jamal Adams, who is projected to be maybe is even as high as a top-five pick in the upcoming NFL draft. We'll see if it's top-five, but certainly a first-rounder, that's for sure. So that'll be a nice way to end on this Monday. So we'll talk a little PGA Tour involving the Masters and, of course, the ladies' side from the Dinah Shore. We talked Pelicans basketball today. Um, and before I get done, I'll mention again who won yesterday's Cardinals-Cubs season opener. I know. I just had to stick it in there, but I will do so before we end today. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to Chris Dempsey from Altitude Sports, Pelicans and Nuggets in just a moment.
2: The future is bright for our New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. For a limited time, receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. So don't miss out on any of the action. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night.
3: Come on down to the Silver
2: Slipper. Hi, this is John from the Silver Slipper, and
1: I'm here to tell you that Yahoo Travel has selected our award-winning Jubilee Buffet as the best buffet in the
0: state of Mississippi. Now, I'm sure that's because we have awesome boiled crab and fresh fish every night, plus tons of boiled shrimp, fresh grilled steaks, perfectly cooked prime rib, amazing desserts, and the list just goes on and on. We're on the beach here in Hancock County. Silver Slipper Hotel and Casino, now more than ever, we are proud to be your host on the coast.
3: Have a good time at the Silver Slipper.
0: We call it No Appointment Radio.
4: You're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. This Monday uh, begins a new week for both the New Orleans Pelicans and the Denver Nuggets. We'll see each other twice. A little home and home. Kind of hockey style, fittingly enough, against Denver. And kind enough to join us, Chris Dempsey, NBA insider and Nuggets analyst for Altitude Sports. Chris, good morning. Happy Monday to you.
0: Well, yeah, thank you for having me. It's
1: a busy week, my friend. We've got the Masters. We've got the NCAA Men's and Women's Basketball Championships. The Rockies will open later this week. And, oh, by the way, the final nine days of the NBA season. Um, Are you going to be able to survive all this?
0: (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that, but somehow I'll be able to push through. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the uh the nuggets are coming off of a big win last night their hopes are still alive for the Western Conference playoffs eighth position. what was the key to the win over Miami last night Chris?
0: you know I think poise uh, certainly down the stretch and in moments of uh, extreme pressure it was was really really key for the for the nuggets they have had a number of those situations as a lot of young teams will have where, uh, you know, once the, you know, you know they'll get out to a lead. Uh, the the team will the, the opponent will make a comeback, and especially if it's on the road, the crowd gets involved. And uh, you know, there's a there's a stretch where, you know, they kind of fall apart, and then the run becomes a 10 to 2 or 12 to 2. That never happened in Miami, and uh, you know, the Nuggets were able to kind of weather all of the storms. And they got out to a 12 point lead early on. Uh, just offensively, were really really good, and and this this team ever since. I'd say about mid-December has been uh, one of the best offensive teams in the NBA so that's not really a surprise but defensively uh, they they got better as the game went on and then they caught really good performances off the bench Emmanuel Moutier uh, had one of his best games of the year I mean I I, honestly I think we went back and really combed through uh, all of his games that he's played it probably was his best game uh, of the year and then uh, Danilo Gallinari 29 points but I, I just think that Their ability to stay poised and and not you know kind of uh, break under the pressure was uh, the biggest key to that win.
1: Chris, the loss last week uh, for Denver to New Orleans and then to Portland, I I thought a young team might fold it up. They don't think I don't think they've done that here. Are you sensing that they still have some fight left in them? Maybe evidenced by what they did yesterday.
0: Yeah, they yeah, and I thought that was a very important uh, you know. you know, point and game for them to show that. You know, there was a lot of talk about, all right, well, let's just finish the year strong and and don't let go of the rope is one of the uh, phrases that uh, Nuggets coach Mike Malone likes to use uh, a lot. And, and and quite frankly, in that game in Charlotte, in which they lost, I, I thought they actually played. You know, the effort was actually on the court. So I mean, I don't think that was an, a matter of them not giving the effort uh, in Charlotte. It was certainly a matter of execution in the fourth quarter and letting three-point shooters. Uh, get away from them in the in in, in the deciding quarter there. So I, I think for two games in a row now, uh, after that Portland loss, they still have brought the, uh, the the kind of energy and intensity that I think the coaching staff is uh, certainly looking for um, as they finish the season. And they were certainly rewarded yesterday for that with with, with a victory. And and, and so yeah, I, you know I, I think there was a question as to whether um, you know uh, there would be a, a little a, a downtick in effort, and I don't think we're seeing that. And I think the more that they continue to win. That last night was important uh, for that to carry, for for that to continue on. And so we'll just see, you know, how they uh, operate in New Orleans.
1: Give me a sense, Chris, on, on what I guess you all thought about the Nuggets. Maybe even dating back to early in the season. Did 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 the Nuggets envision themselves in a playoff conversation? You know, the first week of April, uh, or did they overachieve a little bit uh, based on how things went under Mike Malone this year? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think it's, there's a little bit of both there, there was a, the players talked about playoffs a little bit at the beginning of the season. That was a goal of theirs. But I, I don't think that when you were looking at the landscape of the Western Conference and knowing the steps that the Nuggets had to take to get back to uh, you know the kind of playoff team they had been uh, in years past, that anybody thought that they were really going to be in a playoff race at the end of the season. But you know, listen, a couple of things happened. The, the Nuggets. Honestly, I think the Nuggets have made the exact amount of progress that probably they should have made from last year to this, but then the Western Conference played them into a uh, a playoff race because the teams at the bottom, just uh, nobody could kind of get traction, and you know, Portland was one of those teams, and uh, just, you know, so they they found themselves uh, at this point in the season playing in meaningful games, which... Uh, you know, I think it's been a, a, just a great help for them. You know, they have a lot of young players. You still, talk- Nikola Jokic certainly has had a breakout season, but he's still very young. Uh, Jamal Murray, there's uh, the seventh overall pick uh, in the draft for them. Very young player. He started at point guard for the for them last night. Uh, so to be able to put, and then even guys like Will Barton, these guys are Gary Harris that are still very young in their careers. It's really been a good thing to have them uh, go through a playoff chase. And uh, you know, yeah, you know, listen. They, uh, it, it will it end there? It's, it, you know the, the holds are slim for that. That Portland falls apart a little bit, and, they, and they're able to jump back in. But uh, the fact that they're in this position has been, um, I, I think, it's a little bit unexpected, but certainly a pleasant surprise for the coaching staff as well, that really wants to develop these young guys.
1: So I don't, you know, again, you're right. Portland's in the driver's seat here. Uh, the Pelicans will probably be eliminated from the chase. Uh, if not tonight here shortly just because of the way things are working out Denver may soon be behind them so w- with that being said Chris it sure feels like based on the way you're describing this is that yes there'll be kind of a you know we didn't make the playoffs but yet it seems like the Nuggets and maybe their fans too are are okay with things and, and we'll look forward to next season is that fair
0: yeah that is fair that, you know that is fair I mean I you know, there's, uh, obviously there's the fans, once you get into a playoff race, uh, you know, they want to see you in the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a fair amount of disappointment that they're all pretty much already dealing with right now uh, surrounding, the, you know, surrounding that. But um, I think when you step back and look at what this team was last year to this year, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's really almost night and day. I mean, you're talking about at the end of last season, Nuggets didn't really have an identity. They didn't really have players they knew that they could build around or they were still trying to find out what they had on their roster. It was the first year under my, Coach Michael Malone, so he was still you know, putting a system in and uh, just a lot of moving parts, a lot of questions, and not a lot of answers. And I think uh, what we've seen this season is uh, them carving a clear identity on offense. So you, you, They know what they are now and they can kind of speak to being uh, what that is, which is um, just a kind of a uh, motion-based, running-based, you know, uh, you know, listen, hearkening back to Denver Nuggets teams of the past. Uh, and then they know that they have a player in Nikola that they're definitely going to build around. Uh, and they know they have uh, some young players that they uh, really want to get, uh, you know, uh, 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 they, that they want to be a part of the core. So there have been a lot of qu- – and then they've won more games than they have last year. So, you know, that is a – all those things kind of combined have made this uh, season a lot more, uh, you know, one, one that everybody can kind of look back and say, okay, uh, th- this team is trending up.
1: Nuggets general manager Tim Connolly's a friend of ours, Chris, as you probably can uh, guess. Uh, and it, it got a little noisy there in Denver, maybe last year. Uh, did did he know this Jokic thing was coming? Uh, can he sit back and kind of say, I told you so, or, you know, see, see what happens when you stick with me kind of thing? I, Tim's not that kind of guy, but you kind of catch my drift, right. right? I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, I know where you're going with that. And um no, I mean I I don't think anybody knew that Jokic was going to grow into <laughs> being what looks to be the, the the cornerstone player of their franchise for years to come. And you know, they liked but they knew they liked when when they initially were scouting him and then obviously drafting him was that he had a certain set of skills that they they wanted a versatile big man. They wanted a guy that they felt like uh, could do a lot of different things from that position, from the center position, uh, pass shoot. Uh, was, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, working for the, work from the blocker, uh, from the top of the key. Um, you know, all these things. Uh, they they liked that skill set in him. They didn't know that that skill set would grow into being such a an impactful uh, player on a nightly basis. And. You know he's still just scratching the surface on what he what, what he's going to be. Just Nikola Jokic is one of the uh, great stories in this league. He just is. I mean, being you know the 41st pick in the draft uh, a few years ago, and then you know just kind of uh, things working out for him to be able to even be on the court, uh, and then uh, you know growing into what he is today. So, uh, well, I think Tim Conley and and that whole front office can take. Uh, credit in seeing the bare bones of a game that uh, of his game, which they liked enough that they would uh, draft him and then want to bring him over, and then really pushed his agent to not, you know, to, to bring him over when they did. Um, I think uh, it, what he's done since coming over has exceeded far beyond what anybody thought that he was capable of being.
1: Were you surprised they traded Nurkic? Uh,
0: no, I wasn't because, uh, you know. It, That's a very interesting situation. You know, Nurkic came into the season uh, and he was great. You know, he lost 35 pounds in the off-season, played great in the in training camp and then the preseason, and really earned the starting center job. Uh, It just became apparent to me about a month month and a half into the season that that's just not the way the Nuggets wanted to play. Not that Nurkic wasn't playing well for them, but they didn't want to run things through the post. And um, once, once that became apparent, and then once Nikola Jokic just wasn't uh, fitting in well as a, uh, as a power forward and then coming off the bench, and, uh, you know, they knew that they had a young guy, Nikola Jokic, who was, you are know, talking about first-team all-rookie last year, and they wanted to get him back to that space. So those kind of forces all at work, you know, got Nikola Jokic back into the starting lineup. Obviously, Nurkic then became a reserve center. Um, and then from that point, obviously, he was very unhappy uh, so it just kind of led on down the road for a, a mutual kind of parting of ways there. Um, you know, just at the end of the day, uh, it, it was just a philosophical thing that I think ended up and you know ended up with Nurkic being traded. So I wasn't surprised at that uh, at all. But uh, and it certainly, obviously, had a very very big impact for Portland before he got injured. Um, really good player, really good young man, and uh, I, I just think sometimes a trade works out for both parties, and I think this is one of them.
1: I agree. I agree. Portland would say tell you the same thing, even though Nurkic is now is now hurt. But uh, Chris Dempsey's with us yep. from Altitude Sports. Chris, who uh, who would the Denver Nuggets upset the league office because your schedule the rest of the way really stinks. I mean that's unbelievable <laughs> what the what the Nuggets are going to have to go through here uh, down the stretch of the season, including two games against New Orleans this week.
0: Yeah, it just has been <laughs> the weirdest schedule. So six, uh, seven of their last nine games. Uh, we're all uh, are all on the road uh we're in the midst right now uh of a five game road trip uh so new orleans is game number four on that and then it's back-to-back uh going to houston the next night so uh yeah this schedule is down the stretches definitely challenging to say the least uh and then multiple games against teams right so uh, you know, New Orleans and the Nuggets have, you know, played a bunch of times by the time the end of the season, three, three times here, uh, toward the end of the season. Houston and the Nuggets are the same way. They've played the majority of their games in the last month. Uh, so the Nuggets not only are, are, are they on the road to end the season, but they're playing tough teams. I mean, this is, you know, they end the season at Oklahoma City. They, you know, it just has, uh, been a very, yeah, very, very tough end to the season. And, you know, listen, they, uh, the, the the middle m- months of the season, the Nuggets were at home a lot. So, uh, you know, obviously that has to come back and, and get you at some point. They started the season off road heavy. They got a bunch of home games in the middle. And so now they're going end to the, end the season that way. Which, you know, I, I think when we all looked at the schedule at first, you know, it, it was one of those things you looked at and said, it's mm, not ideal to end the season on this kind of a road stretch. But. I don't think anybody knew that it would these games would be so critical to a playoff race that it didn't really now matters that they're playing uh, this many games uh, on the road at the same time as you know a team like Portland is playing uh, so many of those games at home. As a matter of fact, their, their schedules are exactly flipped. Uh, Portland seven out of their last nine were at home, uh, so it's just uh, not ideal, but uh, is what they're going to have to go through and um you know right now we'll, they're, they're they're treading water we'll see what way they can do the rest of the way
1: all right last question for you Chris uh pelicans and nuggets uh tomorrow night and then on friday in denver in just that singular matchup with the two meetings uh what are you watching for in those two games
0: uh you know for me you know I think from a nuggets point of view is just continued attention to detail continued uh energy what what kind of effort are they bringing kind of uh you know, are, are, they, are they bringing it to the court, you know, just to see what, what's the gauge of how uh, the team is, is viewing the end of the season? Do they want to finish strong? Um, are they willing to put the uh, work in to, to do that? Um, and, and then, you know, you want to see uh, Jamal Murray. Is he, you know, a little bit more development out of him? You want to see if they're going to be able to get Emmanuel Moutier more minutes on the court uh, as well. We'll just see if it kind of depends on whether Jameer Nelson uh, returns from injury, uh, as well as Will Barton, a couple of a couple of guys who just did not play last night, uh, as well. So, um, I, I, I think for me, it's just a, it's a lot more about the focus and the effort. And then, you know, from the Pelicans' point of view, I'm just curious to see just continue to uh, continuing to see how they put that all together. And um, it's just been one of the most interesting things uh, since the trade deadline, uh, you know, to to watch the, the, the Pelicans kind of evolve and figure it out and Um, tinker with the lineups and whatever they have to do to try to make uh, the uh, the Martin Cousins, Anthony Davis thing work. um, So I like that. I've always liked that story angle and that'll be cool to to
1: watch. Yep, Nope. still plenty to watch. There's no doubt about that for uh, both sides and others as we go down the stretch. Uh, Safe travels, Chris, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. Chris Dempsey from Altitude Sports.
0: Diamond bringing you all the hits. Neil Diamond's 50 year anniversary world tour. May 2nd, Smoothie King Center. Tickets on sale now.
1: Buy tickets at livenation.com and Ticketmaster. Neil
0: Diamond. Are you ready for a new challenge? set your goal and go for it with the smoothie king change a meal challenge just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies all under 400 calories per 20 ounce cup and sip your way to your goal
1: weight with flavors like pineapple mango strawberry blueberry dark chocolate banana and more it's easier than ever to reach for your goal take the change a meal challenge only at smoothie king smoothies with a purpose take the challenge as part of a low calorie diet and daily exercise program weight loss depends on individual needs
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As we mentioned, it's an incredibly busy week. It's one of the best weeks in sports. Uh, Obviously, the golf this weekend takes us to Augusta, where we'll have to get some help in the preview, and I'll explain why in a moment. But uh, to to do that, we've brought in our special guest today, Brian Manzella, who's married to Lisa, by the way. We should probably start with that, since that's on his uh, Twitter page, at Brian Manzella on Twitter. Uh, Brian, welcome in. Uh, I hope Lisa doesn't mind us taking away a few minutes of your Monday morning.
3: No, I, I like I tell people I went from the black list to the A list when I went her. So.
1: Yes, I think all of us married a, up in deal some to way. Me for sure. Yes, Brian Manzella also Golf Magazine's Top 100, Golf Digest Top 50 teacher, uh, and he's based right here in New Orleans at English Turn. Uh, congratulations, Brian! You have put together something pretty special there. I know that you're in demand around the country. How much how much traveling do you have to do now as as, as you're in your role as a teacher?
3: Well, you know, quite a lot. Uh, this is just starting to get to the season where uh, I, I wind down, but I've been to um, I spoke in Helsinki uh, two weeks ago. I've uh, been to Spain twice this year, and I went and also spoke to the uh, PGA of Great Britain and Ireland at the Belfry um, two months ago. So it's, it's, been, it's been busy, but, uh, you know, you work your whole career to get yourself in a situation like this. So when they call, you're on the plane.
1: Yes, yes. Congratulations on that. Brian, you know I'm going to ask you about the Lexi Thompson situation, but I'll push that back just a little bit. Let's, let's talk Masters here. Uh, and Danny Willett, of course, is coming off the win last year at Augusta. And, and for a lot of us, um, this is kind of the start. You know, I know that golf has been going now for, gosh, almost two full months. Uh, but yet it seems like Masters week really kind of gets you fired up and, and, and gets things going for us. And And it is certainly a marquee event uh, you know what have you learned so far about the tour and 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 what what could take place here starting in about two or three days at augusta?
3: Well, you know I, I was thinking about this uh, doing another show last week, and uh, not actually when I was on, but when I got off, and I started thinking, hey, you know this is pretty much the same type of golf that you know uh, everybody vying for who's the big chief right mm-hmm. that happened after nicholas like who's the next nicholas well now it's the, who's the next tiger right so what you have is a bunch of guys that got beaten up by the best player in the world that are still sort of around like phil but now you've got this whole new group of people uh the dustin johnson jordan speed Rory McElroy, jason day all of these guys and they're all sort of vying for the for the top spot. And it's easy to say, well, Dustin's there, you know, right now, but uh, he hasn't played really good at Augusta for whatever reason you would think it's a perfect golf course for him. But remember now he's right-handed and he likes to hit his driver left to right. And that's sort of the advantage. You know, if you can turn it on some of those right to left holes the other way, uh, and then if you're left-handed like Bubba Watson and Nicholson, you can just hit a cut, which with modern equipment, is a lot easier to do. Um, I think, you know, if one of the big three or four have a big victory this week, uh, they they can maybe put themselves uh, at the head of the pack. But my prediction, just starting with this, is I think somebody from slightly on the outside wins.
1: Is the Masters the hardest of the tournaments, and specifically the majors, to handicap, Brian?
3: Well, yeah, because the golf course for people who have never been there is the hilliest golf course on tour and it plays the most different depending on weather and especially whether it plays hard and fast or it plays kind of soft and you know with that weather going through who knows how much they have and, and how much they don't but uh, like, you know, Mike Weir won in, I guess it was 2003, and, you know, this is after they had already lengthened the course, you know, 97 with Tiger, and they got scared somebody was going to shoot 20 under par. And, you know, he's not a long hitter. So, and, you know, obviously somebody, you know, who's a medium-length hitter can win, and and, ha- and has, you know, players like that have won, but everybody knows that it really has a lot to do with how the guys in the green jacket set the golf course up. Do they they've kind of been erring towards a little easier to try to get some of that magic back, you know, the Sunday charge and the back nine and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, at least if you play a U.S. Open on one of those courses up east, you know, traditional wing foot, you know, high rough, kind of say, okay, well, this favors this, but there's a lot of different Augustas, and uh, we won't really know what we have until Thursday, and we might get a couple of them this week.
1: Brian Manziel is with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Brian, I'm going to give you uh, two questions here. Uh, They may be very difficult choices, but if I said, Brian, um, you can go to the Masters and view one day, um, and also you can only watch from one hole, uh, which day and which hole are you selecting?
3: Wow, that's pretty good. I think I would go, uh, I've been, you know, quite a few times, you know, PGA, you, you, you get a, you get a, free entry uh, we hope we keep that forever
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh the stands on 15 up by the green you can see a little of 16 you can see a couple of holes you got a leaderboard and that 15th hole uh you know in the 16th hole right there you know behind the green uh separated by, by the water hazard that 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 is undoubtedly where over the years you know, Tigers, famous chip in, they're going to show 10 times. Nicholas putt putting 75 where he runs up the hill. All of these things all happen. Um, Nicholas's shot that he hit about five inches in 86 on 16. Uh, the people going for the green or not, like Chip Beck on mm-hmm. 15, that, that's the place to go. And shoot, you'd want to be there on Sunday when it gets loud and crazy.
1: Brian, you said that you thought that maybe somebody just outside of the, the lead pack here uh, would have a shot at winning. Give me a name or two that you kind of keep your eye on as far as that might happen.
3: Uh, Justin Thomas uh, and uh, Hideki Matsuyama. I think uh, those two guys are just there's a little less pressure on those guys than than, than the, the big three, four, five, whatever you want to you want to call it. And and I think Justin uh, uh, he has a chance to be sort of the star that Jordan Spieth. I mean, I like Jordan Speed as a golfer, and, and, you know, I've never met him, but he seems to be a great guy, but there's just a little magic missing, and I think Justin Thomas, I've known him since he was seven in Louisville when I worked up there, and uh, he's succeeded every step of the way, and and I'm sure, uh, you know, long hitting, he doesn't depend on putting. You'll notice that the best putters, I mean, obviously, Crenshaw's one there, but you're not going on that golf course and running in 20 footers from everywhere. It's just, you're, you know, if you get on the wrong side of the hole, you're trying not to pre putt. He's not the he's a good putter, but he's not, he doesn't depend on putting and he has the length uh, and he, and he doesn't have any problem turning the ball over. So uh, Matsuyama is just somebody that is going to win a major, it's just a matter of time, and it would be the most unbelievable thing in the world for you know for him back home. Uh, there'll be more uh, coverage of him than uh, there is of Donald Trump.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Uh, Brian Manzella is with us. We're kind of looking ahead to the Masters. Brian, let's look back at this past weekend. Lexi Thompson at the Dinah Shore uh, ends up finding out that she did a boo-boo uh, on Saturday, but she didn't find out until she was on the 13th tee, I think, on Sunday. As we have this strange thing in golf right now, which I hope goes away, but... You know, people can email in or call the PGA or LPGA and say, "Hey, I saw so and so break a rule. You might want to look into that." And sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, I, wh- how does how does this happen? It's it seems awfully embarrassing in a lot of ways, and and doesn't seem right. I'm 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 all for the rules and and upholding the honor of golf, but when do we draw the line, and how do we do it? Well,
3: the the, the fact of the matter is, <laughs> there's inadvertent and on purpose fudging in every golf tournament in the history of Bangkok. First of all, you're never going to exactly put the ball back down in the same place. Now Everybody's using the line now in the ball, the putt, you know, about, say, 90% of the people on tour. So you get used to doing that. You kind of freak out even from a couple of feet away or even a foot away. Like she seemed like she was about 12 or 14 inches and you want to reposition that line, you know, so you part the same way all the time i mean there's a coin there and you kind of flip the coin under the ball which is weird to start with (laughs) it's just it's easy to it's easy to mess up but it is in the rules that someone not in the competition can raise you could you know go to the new orleans you know tour event the zurich uh, and and say, hey, you know, I uh, look like Jason Day it up in front of the markers there on 16th. I mean, they'll look into it. It's crazy as that a, that sounds, I mean, I, you know, I would wear them out at an LSU game from the end zone. I can promise you, I see lots of calls in this, you know, in Tiger Stadium. So it's, it's, um, it's in the rules, and she clearly didn't put the ball back. So I think the rule has to be changed. And the whole idea. Uh, uh, of somebody who, who's not involved in the tournament, not an official, not a player, being able to, just, that needs to go away. And I, and I think this is such an unpopular thing. They they got the ruling right, but it's just a bad rule that that this will speed up the USGA and R&A and they'll, um it's not the that everybody wants to, you know, the LPGA, you know, it's their fault. The USGA and the R&A make the rules and these guys are just, you know, uh, and gals are just going by the rules. And it's a, it's a shame because, obviously, she'd have been a very popular winner.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, look, I, okay, maybe it is cool. Maybe it is unique that anyone, you know, again, can kind of say, hey, you know what, maybe that is past the mark or maybe she didn't place the ball back correctly. Um, and, again, there's there's 16 different 100 ways to do it. But couldn't we say that that has to be cleared up by the time she either tees off of the next hole or – Even better yet, before she signs her card, they would go into a review and say, hey, Lex, you know, before you sign your card, we got to go over this. But to wait until Sunday and she's already on the back nine, this this seems absolutely ridiculous to me. But um, there's got to be some middle ground here, right?
3: Yeah. You know, but my whole, you know, playing career in college and a little bit as a pro, basically, if you sign an incorrect scorecard, you're out. So, you know, few years ago she's disqualified for signing that that card incorrectly on on um you know on on saturday but she so, didn't know I mean, it, 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 so, no I, obviously she didn't know but she broke the rule and she didn't call it on herself and then she signed the scorecard and that it used to be you were done so she'd have been they'd have pulled her off the course which can you imagine that
0: oh my gosh so
3: the fact i mean obviously it seems like the equitable thing would have been hey the most you made the putt. The most you could have gained on the field there is a shot. So add a shot, right? But that isn't the current rule, and they just need to change it because that's all. I mean, obviously she, she made the putt. So what, what is she going to four putt from there because she was an inch, you know, an inch, an inch further away? But you know, there, there are, there is a big, you know, I don't know, people that aren't in golf might not know this, but there's a big giant push by the ruling bodies to simplify the rules and right now they're not, they aren't very simple and, and it's frustrating for people who, who watch this sport and especially it's a, it's a major and it's a you know the elephant in the room is we don't have that many american top players on, in LPGA and obviously this is a young you know uh, nice uh, popular american who then loses to someone who isn't in a very strange, you know, circumstance. So it, it, if nothing else, it, it'll bring light on the subject. probably didn't hurt her endorsement career hmm. because uh, her name's been mentioned 7,500 times more than it would have been. So I feel bad for her and bad for the game, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where um, just think of how long we waited for instant replay in and, and football and, and, and basketball and, and basketball and baseball still have a long way to go with that. So hopefully this will be a... This will be a watershed moment, and they'll
1: fix it. Good take from a pro, right there, PGA pro uh, Brian Manzella is with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Brian, one more thing before I let you go. Um, what's the worst thing on a driving range a recreational golfer like me can do?
3: Probably listen to somebody. You know, just, you know, just when you go out and hit balls. You know, the, the good thing about practicing at a driving range is like you it doesn't you don't have to play your foul balls so one of the things that people can do instead of just standing there and just you know you know working up a sweat is everybody's got a favorite golf course or a course they've played a million times have, have you know enough clubs that you can do this and just play the course in your mind So okay there's a 200 yard marker that's the tree on the number one hole on the you know at Pebble Beach. I'm gonna have to hit three wood at that bunker, and you hit oh, it all am in the rough. I'll have to punch this out. You know, you hit your punch shot, then you got to wedge it, and just play the course in your mind. You know, you only need 40, 50, you know, balls to do it, and and you know, be reasonable with yourself, and at least you, you're doing something besides just standing there and uh, hitting balls, you know, aimlessly. Because then you you do you're practicing aimless. And then you go on the golf course, and there's line distance and hazard, and uh, it's a little bit of a freak out for most people.
1: That's a good tip. That'll make my driving range work a little more fun too. I think uh, adds. And a, they'll
3: sell some more balls. Uh, Happens. <laughs>
1: they're very smart. Uh, Brian, you mind folks following you on Twitter? Can they do so at Brian Manzella?
3: Absolutely, and and uh, and also you can. Uh, on Facebook, post and Golf. Just send me a request, and we'll put you in our big group with about 3,000 golfers and golfers.
1: Perfect. Enjoy things at Augusta this week, Brian. And I'll be thinking about all that you said as I'm watching through the Masters this week.
3: Great to be on the show, John.
1: Thank you. Brian Manzella with us. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.
0: If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Kids on the Block are back with Paul Abdul and Boys to Men. The total package tour. Three of the hottest bands in pop music history. New Kids on the Block with Paul Abdul on her first tour in 25 years. In a hit in R&B Royalty Boys to Men. Friday, May 19th, 7.30 p.m. Smoothie King Center. Reserve seat tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com. Hit after hit with New Kids on the Block, Paul Abdul, and Boys to Men. The biggest party ever.
4: I'm Jerry Robinson, and you're
3: listening to the Black and Blue Report. We're
1: just about ready to wrap things up on the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Thanks again to our guest today, Brian Manzella on the golf side, Chris Dempsey from Altitude Sports with our NBA conversation. Let's sprinkle in a little JJ into the mix today. Uh, Jarius is back, and uh, he'll take care of some football with us as he visits with former LSU Tiger, Jamal Adams.
4: All right, I got a few questions for you, little guy.
1: All right,
2: all right.
4: Who was your favorite NFL player as a kid?
2: My favorite NFL player as a kid would definitely have to be. Um, I was a big fan of Sean Taylor, man. Yeah, former Redskin. Yep. Yes, sir.
4: And how was throwing the pitch at LSU? First pitch of LSU. Oh.
2: Throwing the pitch at LSU, man, I was I was um, very nervous, I would say, uh, but I had a lot of confidence. I, you know, just by practicing a little bit with Kramer, I knew that I could get the ball there, but I didn't want to throw it too hard or, or too soft. So, you know, I just put the right touch on it and made it there as a strike, man. You no,
0: know, Jerish was at LSU baseball earlier this week, Jamal, and he was he was throwing some heat, and then Coach Maneri invited him to throw a first pitch. I've seen pitch. that.
2: Yeah, that was crazy, man. he, he hey, He's an athlete, man. He, I, I knew Jerry's could do it. that That's not something that surprised me. <laughs> yeah.
4: If you were to race, if me and you race, who would win?
2: Well, now, Jerry, you know, I, I love you, man, to death, but if we race, it would definitely be me. I cannot let you beat me. No, no
4: it would be me because I put a lot of obstacles in front of <laughs>
2: And then you, I let can't you, let you beat me, man. All
4: right,
2: we'll see. All right. That's okay, and at, man. this
4: is the biggest question ever. Okay. You, you got to deal with Team Jordan, and I
2: need some. Need to hook up like you got. Oh, man, that's nothing, man. I got you, man. You Hey, you, you take over your sizes. You shoot me your sizes, I'm going to have you laced in the Jordan gear, man. I definitely want to get you laced for the Jordan gear. Hopefully you can get the pro day, and then you'll be laced. You'll be laced with the Jordan gear, man. We'll definitely do that for you. Okay. Sounds good, man. Yep. Hey Jamal, did you see uh, Jarius in the Celebrity All Star Game? What'd you think of his game? Oh, man, I I, I seen my guy out there shooting. Uh, I, I you know he, he he can do it all, man. I you know him making shots that that doesn't shock me. Um, I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. And you know I'm always praying for Jarius, man. That's my that's my guy right there. Thank you. Sounds good, man. You have a good day, man. Now wait,
4: one more question.
2: One more. Let's get it.
4: Now, would you like to be drafted to the Saints?
2: I would love to be drafted by the Saints. Anywhere I can land, I love to be there. So all right, I have the to come I, get me.
4: I have to get. I have to get in Coach Payton's head now.
2: Oh, right, now you got to get in his head. Now tell him. You can tell him now.
4: All right. See all you, buddy.
2: All right. all right,
1: baby. I think we'll call that. What are we gonna call this? The the JJ collection. I think that's a nice way to put it. That's installment number four here from his time with us at Studio B. All right, that'll wrap it up for us. Tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, Daniel Salerson's your host. Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com stops by. Uh, we'll also, I think, hear from Chase Daniel. Yes, uh, who is joining us today uh, via telephone from Hawaii, but the return of Chase Daniel becomes official, I think, today as he's reintroduced as a, as a quarterback with the New Orleans Saints, and we'll talk to Chase about his His signing with the Saints here for a second go-around and what he's learned since we last talked to him. We'll share that visit with you on tomorrow's show. Cardinals win over the Cubs. I had to mention it. My St. Louis Cardinals are in first place. 1-0. Those two teams are off today. They'll resume their series tomorrow. The defending world champs. It pains me to say that the Cubs are 0-1. There's a full slate of baseball today. Enjoy that. And, of course... Enjoy the men's basketball tonight from Phoenix, Arizona, as the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship wraps up tonight with North Carolina and Gonzaga. I don't really care who wins. I just want a great game. I know you do too. Thanks again, everybody. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the black and blue report.